Welcome to Go Behind the Ballot, a podcast where two Texas moms go on an educational quest to demystify Texas politics. Join me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, as we deep dive into the most burning issues, hear stories from candidates, and offer hope in these challenging political times. Let's saddle up and go behind the ballot. Hi, everyone. Claire Nicole here. We are doing our mini education episode for y'all, and we are at the end of our education series. So we thought this would be a great place to recap the things that we learned and reflect on the conversations we had with our incredible guest experts. So I learned a lot. How about you, Nicole? <laughs> um, way more than I could have imagined. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was very educational, our education series. Absolutely. And I I feel like we could stay in this realm for weeks and weeks and weeks, but we thought, you know, that this seven episode series was a great overview of what the state of education is like in Texas. And I'm sure we'll revisit it at some point, whether it's in, um, you know, public education, you know, for K through 12, and maybe we'll do higher education at some point and maybe even early education early childhood education. There's so much to touch on. uh, And it's so important because this is about investing in our future and our students. And as I said in our conversation with uh, Laura Yeager, I mean, I seriously can't think of anything better to put your money in than education. So that's Right. It's an investment that will undoubtedly pay you back. Yes, yes. The evidence is there. I think she even cited an article where it said the investment comes back like 50-fold, 50 times. Like there's such a great return, I'm sure economically, but also just investing in people and these, you know, ineffable things. And that's why it's good for us to understand who's the decision makers and to make sure we have people in these positions of power who support the things we support. But a lot of the times it's just like, what? How does this all work? Well, hopefully you have a better idea of that now. And if there's still, if there's like a big piece that you think we missed, let us know because we want to make sure that we're responsive and uh, fulfilling that curiosity that we might have skipped over for some reason. Yeah, and and I will say too, like, yeah, definitely don't be shy to reach out and and tell us what you're curious about. Because I think we're what we're trying to do is put these pieces together, which is why we tried to create a well-rounded list of guests. Um, and also, because this is such a big subject, it's interesting where it touches on other things that we're going to be covering. So in other words, if you want to reach out and tell us something you're more curious about, it might be surprising how it actually fits into something that we're hoping to do next if that makes any sense. It's like, you know, we're going to transition to an election series, but I know we're going to have so much crossover in the conversations. There's going to be themes that play themselves out again. So um, definitely just reach out, let us know. And we want to know that people are listening and that they have curiosities that we can dig into with them. So yeah. And what might be fun too, we can put this on our social media is like, what was the one thing that really stands out in your mind from the series or from an episode. We would love to know that. But we're going to go ahead and do that for y'all. 
Uh, this will guess this will be your cheat sheet, <laughs> and we'll go through all of our guests and share what really still sticks with us now, a few weeks after we've conducted these interviews and listened to these interviews again. So, as y'all might recall, we started off with Representative Vicki Goodwin. She is a representative here in the Travis County area, and she was just great with giving us an overview of her perspective on public education in Texas and the work she's tried to put forth as a state representative. I really appreciate Vicki because I think she is quick to admit the complexity of this issue and that it's not a simple solution. And it's one of these things where we have to work together. Um, she got a little bit into the school finance system, which is very complicated. Uh, and she, but yeah, she uh, – yeah, I'll stop there. Nicole, what, you, you, you say something and then I'm sure I'll be like, oh, yeah, and that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. I think that you summarized it well, which is that she was a really great start because she gave us such a, a broad overview of so many of the the pieces that are kind of tugging on this public education question. And so she was a great start. And I, and I also love that she – is in a position of leadership, right? She serves as a representative in the legislature and um, is an example of showing what leadership I want to look like, right? Somebody who is responsive. She does town halls to hear from people, especially she has, I know she's had at least two, right, about public education. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm sure she covers other subjects on her website. You know, she lists kind of her... uh, topics, uh, her issues, I guess, that are kind of, you know, the most important to her. And um, so, yes, Representative Goodwin was a great, a really great opening to the series. Yeah, she's the kind of representative that is in it, just an incredible listener. And she talked about this in the episode, the need to be available to just sit down and listen to other perspectives. And she was very honest in saying that there are times when I sit with constituents and they share their perspective and I share mine and mine doesn't align with them. And I just tell them we disagree on this, but I still want us to have dialogue and I want us to talk and I value what you have to say. And I really admire that because I think a lot of people's tendency is to placate in the moment and to pretend like, oh yeah, we'll figure something out. But she really, um, like she owns her values and that I, I think that in itself is very admirable to, to have integrity and stand behind what you believe in, but at the same time being respectful and being willing to, uh, still have an open mind with these other folks. And I think so often people just want to be heard. They just want to be heard. And that can be enough for them to say, okay, you're, you're the kind of person I want to work with in the future. Maybe not on this, but on something else down the road. Agreed. Yeah. 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 And she also shared, you know, the story about how her mother was a school board trustee and how that, I think, sparked the interest in maybe running one day, seeing her mother do that, uh, and how she decided to run because she wanted to be an example for her children. So, uh, yeah, I just love that sort of generational public service and maybe her daughter or son will run one day. You never know. 
Uh, she was a wonderful guest. Um, the next person we had on our show was Candace Hunter. She is a candidate right now for the Austin School Board. She's running for District 1. And Candace was a fun guest because she got to tell us a little bit about what it's like to be a candidate, what the school board looks like, and all the responsibilities that school board trustees have. But she also has a business that is centered around training up new teachers in schools. And she's just so smart about the mechanics of setting up a really great functioning school. Uh, and I thought it was cool to hear her stories because it's things you just you just assume like, oh yeah, like if I was a teacher, I would just be like, ah, hi, I'm the teacher. Let's go. This is going to be great. And she's like, no, you have to be very intentional. Where are your desks going to be? How's your desk? Where you know? How's your classroom going to be set up? Um, how are you going to take attendance? How are you going to pass out papers? Like, oh yeah, these things matter. And she has a great mind for that. Yeah, she's such an energetic person, right? I feel like she's just one of those people who just attracts um, people to want to listen. She just is um, – she's also entertaining, you know? She's just – there's something about her that's really magnetic. I really find her to be. And her heart couldn't be in a better place, right? My favorite takeaway, I think, of that interview was that she is running to be on the Austin – uh, board, the Austin ISD Board of Trustees. Um, yet she is completely committed to still serving whether she wins the position or not. And that to me says everything about who Candace is. And with her too, the evidence is in how she lives her life. She's an excellent follow on social media for anybody who is interested. And you will see exactly what she's doing every day. She is at schools. She is meeting with people. And she was doing that before she ran for the Austin ISD board. And she will clearly be still doing it whether she wins or not. Mm -hmm. And one quote that comes to mind from Candace, because we also talked about TEA and the structure of TEA and the education commissioner and how integral TEA, it, the Texas Education Agency, is to the way public education actually functions here in Texas. Uh, but we were talking about school funding, and I think all of our guests would agree we don't fund schools properly here in Texas, that it's way, way underfunded. But we were just asking her um, – why is this the case? And she said, there's too much money to be made in a broken system. And it was like, whoa, like mic drop. That's crazy true. Um, she even said herself, you know, she's a consultant. So schools pay her to go in and train up these teachers. She's like, but if we were more preventative and we had more preventative measures and we weren't reactive, our money would be better spent. It would be probably more money up front in the beginning, but long-term we would save. But unfortunately, this is the system that we have, one where those who are rolling in the dough are not going to let go of that anytime soon. And yet she offered that hopeful nugget too about how there is no wicked problem in education, right? All of this can be solved. So that was a nice little hopeful tidbit too that she added in. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, yeah, Candace was fun. So go, go back and check these out if if they're sounding you know interesting and you happen to skip over one or two of them. Um, our next interview was with Patty Everett. She is an education Dr. advocate. Dr. Audrey Young. 
Oh, I'm sorry. You're <laughs> right. Rewind. We'll Just come back to you, Patty. Yeah. So we spoke to Dr. Audrey Young. She is currently a state board of education member. And previously, she was the school board trustee on Apple Springs ISD. So we talked about both of her roles, her role as a school board trustee and her current role as a state board of education member. And it's interesting because the so when she was a school board trustee, I think that she represented like 200 students. It was a very, very small school district in that Texas, right. yeah. rural area. And now she represents 2 million constituents. So it ran the gamut. I mean, like night and day. Uh, but she's, But it sounds like a lot of what she learned leadership wise as a state as a school board trustee she's using now in her current role and the big thing that i remember she hammered on was the need for teamwork she said some folks will run for school board and they'll have a specific agenda i'm going to pick the next superintendent i'm going to get this teacher fired or whatever it is and she was like that doesn't work because it's a board of I think like eight to 10 people, depending on the district. And you have to have a majority to do anything that you want to do. So you have to learn to collaborate with the other members and come to consensus and get people behind your, whatever it is, uh, your, I want to say, I don't know if it's a jet, behind your passion. <laughs> so uh, it was really good to hear that, especially now as a lot of folks are running for school board to maybe ask them, what what are you wh- why are you doing this and they'll sit back and let them answer is it because you care about making sure students have a better learning experience um do you just think i don't know public education is the most important thing we should invest our money in i don't know but uh it was good to know that you have to have a team mindset when you're in these positions yes and i loved her sharing her experience from such a small ISD and the pressures and the way some of the policymaking affects that level of education and that size of a district. And then how she talked about, yeah, the number of constituents that she serves now and just kind of really looking at that. And especially as we did that mini talking about, you know, rural, (laughs) there we go, that word again, (laughs) rural (laughs) conservatives, and how they are unlikely allies, right, with urban liberals. Um, I kept thinking as I was reading that article about Dr. Young's interview, it really did help to highlight, I think, the, the different pressures, I think, that are on different size districts. So Mm-hmm. She was great. Yes. And and one thing I want to remind folks of is that both in her role as a school board trustee and an SBOE member, those are both unpaid positions. And in both of those p- positions, she has very limited staff support. It sounds like she has a little bit of assistance from the district and the state, but it's basically her doing all of this work because she cares about Texan students. And uh, she said in the interview that if you're running for school board, you have to have some level of altruism, whether it's for a smaller group of folks or a bigger group of folks. And I, I liked hearing that because it's true. You know, I so like personal opinion, I think that we should pay these positions, but it's a good reminder that these those who are stepping up are getting paid nothing. So they have to have some something uh, internal 
saying this is worthy of my time to invest in. Yeah, it's a good thing to keep in mind, right? Yeah. Okay, so back to Patty Everett. So Patty Everett is an education advocate. She is a charter school expert. She knows so much about how charter schools function in Texas. And I thought this was a really necessary episode to have because a lot of the state funding goes towards charter schools, which are public schools, but they are still different from your local ISDs. They're different in the way that they are managed. Uh, One difference off off the top of my head is that they have appointed school boards, whereas local ISDs have elected school boards. They don't have the same transparency and accountability to the state. They can kick kids out for certain behavioral issues where a local ISD couldn't. They don't offer the same services. I mean, Patty went into all of this like step by step, but the biggest thing she wanted us to take away is that the way charters have been been able to expand, expand, expand in Texas. Um, They do that through this process called expansion amendments. So if there is an existing charter school, like an IDEA or a KIPP or a Harmony, some of these bigger businesses, schools, like even that's kind of weird, they just apply for an expansion amendment with TEA and TEA slash education commissioner decides if they are allowed to expand and create more campuses throughout the state. It's very different if you want to start a new charter. She goes into that process where you have to apply, TEA reviews it. It's a very rigorous process. You go before the SBOE board, you describe why your school is necessary. The public can have an opportunity to come and, and say whether they support it or don't. So a very different stringent process versus the expansion amendments. So she really cleared that up for us and helped us understand how some of these bigger networks have just been able to boom across the state. What else? Yeah. If I had to pick one episode that would be the most mind blowing, (laughs) I think the most important to listen to, it would be this, it would be this episode with Patty Everett. I, I felt as if I was learning things that I, well, I didn't feel this way. I was learning things that I had no idea about. And um, it would be so easy. This was a theme, right, of this episode too, to just assume a lot, right? It's a public school. So you assume so many things about what that what that means. Because in most of our minds, when we say a public school now, of course, I have the language to know that what I'm talking about is a local ISD. But when you muddy the waters by talking about public schools, but you're including charter schools, it's a whole different ballgame. So um, back to where I started, which is just that if I had to pick one episode to listen to, that will, I promise you, give you information that you did not have before, it would be the Patty Everett episode. I also think it's just super duper important because... When we are talking about how we're funding public education and and education overall in general in the state of Texas, we have to understand who the players are and what the stakes are. And she was so great at bringing home the idea that transparent information is a necessary process, a necessary part of that conversation, and that in order to have real, true, effective conversations about education. We have to have an equal playing field and we have to have access to information. So 
that was my big thing with the Patty Everett one. And clearly I have a, I don't want to say a favorite episode. That's not the right wording because (laughs) I loved them all and I love everybody, but, um, the most information packed, I think. Yes would be that one it's very dense i mean i have listened to it probably four times and each time i'm like oh i missed that (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it's very dense in a good way in a good way yes all right next up we spoke to um dr annette telly who is the superintendent of dell valley isd and this one also had a lot of great information in it um Mainly, we wanted Dr. Telly to tell us about the role of superintendents because they have so much impact on the way a school district is run, and they wear so many different hats. They have to understand the finance system for when school districts put bond packages together and and go before the public and say, we need to build new schools or we need to buy more buses. She... um, you know, has to know a lot about curriculum and what it's like to be in the classroom. And she just described all these different places where she works within the district to help it run as best as it can. And something she said was that to be a good superintendent, you have to deeply know your craft. And I thought that was really important to highlight because this is such a big leadership role that that you have to have just that wealth of knowledge across the board to be an effective superintendent. Um, I'll stop there and, and more will come to mind. because She had a lot of great information. Yeah, she was well-timed, right? I was looking just at the order of the episodes. It was another great moment where there was somebody to tie up kind of all the pieces together because she really touched on so many of the things that came before her, right? So we got the little nuggets of how um, the work that Representative Goodwin does affects a local ISD. Um, definitely she talked about, um, well, I don't know that she actually did this. I was about to say she talked about the relationship between the Board of Trustees and the superintendent. I don't know that she specifically did that, but she certainly um, talked about leadership and who she's accountable to. Uh, I'm going to make that case. Um, so anyway, I, I feel like what she did, it was another great moment, which I guess is what well, was almost the middle of this group of of seven episodes. She really was another great person to tie the different pieces and themes of the things that we have had been talking about up to that point. She showed on a practical level how they affect a local ISD um, and really spoke to how charter schools affect um the local ISD. And mm-hmm. so, yes. Yes. And and she was really great about talking about the need for advocacy. And she walks the walk. I mean, I saw her at the Capitol testifying before the House Public Education Committee and sharing her experience with the representatives about um, workforce development and what Del Valley ISD was doing to make sure that students had job opportunities after they graduated. Um, But she also had a real passion for, let me back up. So so, uh, the Texas Education Agency administers the STAR test, which is our big accountability test that students have to take to determine how they're doing in school. Well, the STAR test is making this push towards online test taking period for all students. And she went, she's, she's been going before legislators and saying, 
we should have a, a paper option because some of our kids do better on paper. And it was great hearing her experience and her anecdote about just the need for that variety and how she uses data to back it up and how she uses her authority and her position to have her voice heard and advocate on behalf of her students, which is, I think, very helpful to hear because a lot of times you can feel like these decisions are being made for us and we just kind of have to take it. But she shows, you know, there's a way to be a voice and let them know what you think. Maybe they'll agree, maybe they won't, but be active. Yes, and what she's constantly looking at is the unintended consequences of the policies that she has to implement. And that um, was a great nugget that she provided is that she's always, she believes in people's best intentions. First of all, I really like that she extends that to people. Um, She doesn't believe that people mean sometimes what is the result of the policy that they create, but she is going to speak truth to power and tell them what the consequences are of the policies that they enact, which is great. That is Mm -hmm. a sign of leadership. Definitely. The next guest that we had was Laura Subrant Yeager. And Laura, I mean, I just think of her as like an education advocate superstar. She started three different groups, TAMSA, um, which is Texans, Oh, advocating no. for, <laughs> for meaningful, meaningful student, student assessment, assessment uh, just fund it, and Texas educators votes. And the nice thing about uh, Laura's interview was was she described her. So I was just curious, like, how did you become so involved? And she spoke about her son's experience in school and some of the challenges he came up against. And it made her ask questions. Well, why are these challenges there? Why can't, why is my son no longer loving school and the educational experience? And that made her ask questions and put her policy hat on because that was her background. And through that, she started TAMSA and got involved with these other groups. And she just showed that when you follow that curiosity, it really opens up this world of how you advocate for yourself and for your students and for your community. And then she took those tools and she gave them to other people so she could build this coalition and have their collective voices heard amongst these legislators who are making big, impactful decisions for her son and for you know all the kids around Texas. Um, so she... I think she just put a real face to what advocacy looks like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would love to model myself after her, honestly, because she she sees a problem and then she addresses the problem and and educates herself along the way. She doesn't it's not just a from a position of complaining by any means. She follows up with, wait, I see something happening here. Why is this happening this way? What can I learn about it? And now let me share this information with other people. It just, I really would love to model, I think, how I approach issues that I see come up in my life after the way Laura Subernieger approaches issues. So yes, I do consider her an advocacy superhero. She's pretty darn amazing. Right. Yeah. She's not the person that's, that... I feel like a lot of us can hear a soundbite and get all riled up and then be like, we're going to go to the Capitol and protest. Like, I think she's very thoughtful, slows down, educates herself, understands the issue and its complexities, and then 
figures out what her stance is and advocates to those who can make impactful decisions. And she very much emphasized the need to be kind and respectful and how that has been an effective way for people to listen to her. And she says, you know, we always try to find that common ground wherever it can be so that we walk away at least with something we can agree on. Impressive. Yeah. Impressive. Yes. Yeah. Laura's doing amazing work. Go check out her groups if you want to become more involved in advocacy work with public education. Our final interview was with Representative James Tallarico. He has been a state representative since 2018, I believe, and he represents, I think, part of Travis County, mostly Williamson County, so like northeast, uh, north central Texas. We'll say that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we really wanted to speak with him because he sits on the House Public House Public Education Committee, and a lot of the real, like, in-depth policy works happens in committees. So it was great speaking with him because he shared about how he got involved in public service and how that led him to run for office, and then what happened once he was actually elected and getting on this committee and the whole process on how you are selected for committees. Um, but he, I, don't, I just really liked the way he spoke. He was very genuine and authentic. And uh, you could tell he was a leader who tries to constantly grow and learn more and and be a good listener to his constituents those who he is agree he, again, like Vicky agrees with, doesn't agree with, but leaves from this place of empathy and giving people the benefit of the doubt, which is what we would love to see in more of our leaders. So that um, so that politics is uh, not so ugly. I mean, I think that's how we get there is by remembering we're all people, we're all humans, we're all trying to do what's best for ourselves and our families and hopefully our bigger community. Yes. Yes. Um, And he also spoke a lot about youth, right? And young folks and how he is in favor of and always working on how to engage young people um, so that we can see, crossing fingers, right? A, A legislative body that is more reflective of the population, so that was an also an interesting little tidbit too, which I remember Larry Yeager too talked about wanting to hear young voices and how young folks ought to be included and that they are great speakers for what they need. And so also it was interesting and great to hear that same theme reflected in what Representative Tallarico talked about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know if we shared this in the episode, but the average age of a Texan is 34, but in the Texas House, it's 54, and in the Texas Senate, it's 60. And I believe Representative Tallarico is 32. He's in his early 30s. We'll say that to be on the safe side. So he's much closer to like the average Texan's age, and yet he's the exception. Most of these folks are much, much, much older. Uh, but that's a unique perspective that he brings. 
And he also shared with us, this is sort of a recurring theme, but very important to highlight, that in his position, he gets paid $7,200 a year. So right off the bat, these positions lend themselves to specific populations, specific groups of people. It's very inaccessible for everyone because you have to have a flexible work schedule. You have to be able to make very little money. Um, and they just require so much time and attention and commitment. And he said, you know, if I had a family and I was trying to support them, it's hard to do this as a as a state representative. You have to have he would he would have to have a second career, whereas some of the representatives are independently wealthy, so they're not so reliant on you know the fifty two fifty two hundred dollar check that they get once a year. Uh, and I think that was a good thing for us to highlight so people understand, yes, they're paid, but they're paid very little. And because of that, we get a certain sort of legislator. Yes, such an important point. And it is a repeated theme, right? I mean, it's interesting that while, you know, going back to the little tidbit we said about Candace earlier, which is that there's a lot of money to be made in a broken system, but it certainly isn't going to these folks, right? It's interesting to think about how again and again and again, as we look at the folks that we interviewed, it is not a profitable thing that they're doing. So it, that's an, just, I find that really interesting for us to think about as citizens and taxpayers about being intentional about how we would like to see public funds spent and, Again, why the transparency is so important, because if we don't even understand how the money is being spent, it's really then hard to advocate for what you do believe in, in terms of having those funding choices and decisions reflect your values. So Exactly. And speaking of funding, something that Laura brought up in our conversation is that in this next legislative session, 2023, the state is looking at a 27 billion with the B dollar surplus. So legislators are going to decide how this money is spent. So if you really care about something like public education, this is the year to have your voice heard because there is money there to invest. And the question is, what are we going to invest in? I really hope it's public education. Clearly, as we've learned, man, Texas is resourceful. We do a lot with a little bit of money. Each student, I think the base allotment is around $6,100, and then it can go up depending on whatever those weights are. But that's not a lot of money. I couldn't send you, – you can't send your kid to private school for $6,100. So, man, these schools do a lot with that. But what if they had more? Think of how much more amazing our schools could be if we just said, we're going to pump a couple billion over here and a billion over there. Texas yeah. would be incredible. We'd be like the number one nationally, and we're not. We're way at the bottom when it comes to funding schools. Well, it'll be interesting to see what choices and decisions are made. So keep listening, everybody, because we definitely will be paying attention to what's happening at the legislature. Keep listening. And of course, as we've heard from all of our guests, if the one way you can have your voice heard is by voting. So vote and make sure you're registered to vote. And October next- 11th is that deadline. 
Yes, don't forget the deadline because in and Texas, that's my birthday, everybody. So. Yeah, <laughs> do a happy birthday shout out. Yeah, ahead of but time. But in, <laughs> in Texas, you have to be registered thirty days out before election day. You cannot vote. You cannot register the day you vote. So if you're from another state and you're hearing this and you're planning to vote, you better make sure you make it by that deadline. Otherwise, you are not going to be counted. So as Nicole mentioned, October thirtieth, get in. No, there. October eleventh. Oh, October eleventh. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thinking about. Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) What you thinking about, Claire? October 11th. October 11th. Make sure you're 10-11. 10-11. And if you're following us on social media, we will share all this with you so you know. Uh, But important plug. Um, And lastly, we just wanted to say if you have been enjoying our show, please rate us on whatever platform you use to listen. If it's like Apple Spot. Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I was trying to say that together. Uh, if you could leave a review, that's even better because that helps folks find us. And on our website, we do have a tip jar. So if you really love our show and would consider making a, a contribution, that would go so far. Sadly, podcasting isn't free. It's not like the most expensive thing to do, but it does cost money. There's money in keeping our, um, you know, production going and having our podcast platform that syndicates to all the different channels. Uh, And right now, me and Nicole are just paying for that. So if you want to help kick in a couple bucks, we'd be happy to take them so we can keep doing this work and bringing you incredible guests. Anything else, Nicole? Well, I'm going to just highlight again, we would love for you to rate and review. Yeah, because it really does you know, all these things have these algorithms, these mysterious algorithms. And it is by interaction with listeners and by leaving ratings and reviews that that algorithm. Thank you, everybody, for joining me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill on Go Behind the Ballot. Hopefully, we've demystified some little portion of Texas politics, and we hope that you'll do more with us. Check out our website at www.gobehindtheballot.com where you'll find links to all of our social media and you will find our community. Let's join together and do more. We hope you'll let us know what is working and we hope you'll join us next week. Thanks everybody and have a good one.